session one tonight, the nature of true faith, the nature of true faith. Have you ever met someone who says to you, I wish I could have faith, I just can't. I wish I could believe, I just can't. Sometimes people look at us Christians and they think of faith, they have an idea of what faith is, it's very different than what I believe faith is and what I believe God thinks faith is. And so we want to look a little bit at this concept of faith, what do people Maybe how do they misunderstand what faith is and how to have it and so on. You know, the first point I'd like to make is that faith really is necessary. In Scripture it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And God has designed it so that you cannot know God, you cannot please God without faith. All of life, though, is based on faith I sometimes hear people say they can't have faith, and I say, well, wait a minute. I would say everything you do is based on faith. If you open a bottle of pop and drink it, you have faith in Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or someone else. You get on an airplane. I don't know of anyone who ever demands that they check the maintenance log and look at the credentials of the pilot before they will sit down and go up in the air. You sit in a classroom. You believe and trust the professor based on his uh, certain credentials he's earned, you don't check into every word he says, you don't uh, uh, demand that he validate every single word out of his mouth. All of life is based on faith. All of human relationships are based on faith and trust. And God requires that we have faith and trust in him. It should be no different with him and it is no different than with him. But contrary to what some people say or think who say they don't have faith or they couldn't have faith, Contrary to that is the idea that faith is reasonable. See, some people, when they say, I could never have faith, what they mean is they think of you this way. Well, I'm glad you found Christianity. You're so weak. You've got such psychological problems. I'm glad that at least you haven't turned to drugs or alcohol. You've got faith. And I'm happy for you. I feel good for you because you have faith and that faith sustains you. Obviously you're so mentally weak and so confused that you're not willing to face facts and reality. You just want to believe in something that will help you cope and get through the day. So I'm glad you've got faith rather than, than something else. That's not what faith is. Because biblically faith is not only, not only is it necessary, but it's also reasonable. I sometimes think of faith as, uh, well, see the verse right here. Faith is the assurance. It's an assured conviction based on knowledge. Faith is not based on ignorance. Faith is not based on feelings. Faith is a conviction, and it's an assurance based on knowledge of something, knowledge that's trustworthy, knowledge that can be examined, knowledge that can indeed be checked out. Faith involves a commitment of the mind, the will, and the body. A mind and a will, and all that I am, it's a commitment of who I am. Faith is not just an emotion. Faith is not just a feeling. It is based on knowledge. And so I, I sometimes think, 
when people say they can't have faith, what they're really saying is that they can't have blind faith. And I think there's a difference here, a distinction as we think of real faith versus blind faith. True faith is believing with reliable evidence. Blind faith is believing without evidence. What they're really saying is, I can't be gullible. I can't believe the indefensible. I can't believe what could never be backed up. And as Christians, what we say is that true faith is reasonable. It's based on solid evidence. It can be backed up. I sometimes describe the difference between true faith and blind faith or gullible faith as this. Suppose you're on the... uh, top floor of some building somewhere and uh, or excuse me you're not top floor of a dorm or something and the fire alarm goes off and suddenly you realize you're in trouble because you go to the escape you know you don't take the elevator you go to the floor it's filled with smoke it's no prank you're really in trouble you realize that you can't get out of the building you're up on like the 10th floor and you you go back into your room and you find smoke begin to come into your room and you, you look out the window and you realize, this is my only way of escape. Without this window, if I don't go out the window, I'm going to die. I'll be burnt in this building. And so blind faith begins to look out the window and say, now is the time to believe what I learned as a kid in Sunday school. That if I have faith, I can do anything. And you look out the window and you're, you're looking down ten stories and you gulp, and you take a deep breath, and you say, I believe I can fly. If I just flap hard enough, and I believe hard enough, I know I can do anything. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. (laughs) And you're flapping, you're believing, you're singing, and you jump. And what's going to happen to you? Splat! You're going to be one dead believer. You know? Because because there's no evidence, there's no reason. That's an unreasonable thing. That's not the type of faith God wants us to have. That is being gullible. And if that's what a person means by faith, I don't think I have it either. But to illustrate what I think would be biblical faith and the type of faith that God does expect human beings to have, imagine yourself now instead of, you know, you're sitting at your desk, 10th floor, catches fire, smoke alarm goes up, you run to the, there's no exit, you're back in your room, smoke is coming in your room, you say, wow, I've got to get out the window or I'm dead. I'm in trouble. And you look out the window and lo and behold, the fire department has shown up. And they put out there a big net. And there's a captain shouting, a big burly old strong guy shouting, If you jump, we'll catch you. Save your life. Jump and we'll catch you. And you say to yourself, I have never jumped out of a 10-story window. You say to yourself, I've ne- I don't like the high dive. I've never bungee jumped. I've never done anything like this. But you look at the evidence and you conclude that, that uh, it, it that in your mind, it is reasonable to assume that the men are prepared 
to do their job. Their equipment is adequate. You put yourself in, your, in their hands. You jump and you trust them. If they come through, you live. If they fail you, you die. And I think that is more what biblical faith is. And during this seminar, we want to be looking at, at the evidences that God has given us. We want to see why believe Christianity. Is it different than other religions? I hear people always asking me, what makes your religion better than anyone else's? Why do you think your religion's right? And those are the type of questions we hope to answer in this seminar during our next several sessions. This seminar is, is called Apologetics. And apologetics does not mean that we apologize for being Christians. The word apologetics simply means offering a defense for what you believe. Offering a defense, in our case, for our faith. Giving a reason to believe. We're told in, in 1 Peter, we're told that we are required to give a reason for our faith. And we're not supposed to just believe. I remember I was at a university once. And uh, actually, it was Miami University down in Oxford, Ohio. And I was trying to give reasons for faith in the Bible. And uh, a, a, a Christian girl uh, had heard enough. She raised her hand and she said, I have something to say. What's that? And her comment was, she said, well, you know, I used to try and figure out why the Bible is true. And I used to try and, you know, why do I believe it? And, and I, was, I sat in a class that we took on the New Testament. And everything he said, I got so confused. I couldn't figure out any of it. I didn't know how to answer what the professor was saying. And I just figured, we just have to have faith. We just need to believe. And, uh, and so that's what I do. I just have faith. And I thought to myself, no wonder, fewer, no wonder more people aren't becoming Christians. If that's what we're telling people, if we're saying, well, you know, the professor presented me with all this information... And it so confused me, I just thought, I'm not going to listen to him. I'm going to believe what I believe because I believe what I believe. And I would say, well, you know, if that's the best you can give me, I don't know if I'd want to be a Christian either. God calls us to be able to make a defense for our faith. God has given us a mind. He does want us to use it. True faith loves God with our mind, our emotions, and our will. It does not put our mind on hold. It does not say, I've got a liquefied brain, and so I'm not going to think about this stuff. I'm just going to be a Christian because it makes me feel good. And many people think that's what Christianity is. When in reality, we have a solid basis for those of us who do think and do want to believe based on reason and knowledge. As I said, faith is essential. And, there, and God does not give us so much evidence for Christianity that it's a slam dunk and you, got, you know anyone who doesn't believe is just a flat-out imbecile. God has drawn this perfect line. It, it, and, and sometimes I'm just amazed at the tension where those who are willing to believe what He says find more than enough intellectual satisfaction in, in the answers provided and those who don't want to believe can't be convinced no matter what. It's like God has given this perfect line of evidences and reasons. And so in this seminar, we talk about apologetics. We're talking about reasons to believe. We'll be looking at the existence of God, things about the Bible, things about Jesus Christ, and some of the mindset of those who don't believe in Christ, don't believe in the Bible. 
we're called to be able to give an offense. When using apologetics, we always want to remember, though, that we're to be kind and we're to be respectful. We're to be kind and we're to be respectful. Um, We're not to be wimps. I know I was taught as a Christian, as a young Christian, uh, never ever argue, always back down, never, never, uh, you know, you can't win an argument if you lose the soul. And so I was always taught, you know, just to avoid that. And I began to realize that people began to think us Christians don't have any answers. Because anytime they ask us a legitimate question, we just try and avoid it. We say, basically say, well, you know, if you just received Jesus, you'd understand it all. And I don't know if that's true. I've come to believe that people have legitimate barriers between where they are now and, what, and true faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. We're going to be looking at a, many of those barriers. Hopefully we'll get a lot of them. But we'll be looking at some of those barriers that people have over the next several sessions here and providing answers in respect for honest questions that people ask. And so we are to be kind. We're to be a witness when we share our faith. We're to, we're to be respectful of people who have different opinions. We're to, we're to have compassion on those who don't yet see the things that God has shown us. But I don't believe we're to back down. I don't believe we're to act as if we have no answers because, in fact, we do. I've noticed when I, when I um, witness to people and talk about uh, Christianity, I've always noticed, and, and when I think of apologetics, this is important to understand, I've noticed there's two reasons people don't come to Christ, ultimately two reasons. One is the one that sounds good, and the other is the real reason. Just a basic principle of life. I remember I was down at North Carolina State University once. And a guy, uh, as I was speaking out on the campus, and a, and a uh, fellow in his group of people were challenging me all afternoon long. Challenging me about the authority of the Bible, the credibility of the Bible. Challenging me about creation and evolution. Challenging me about Christianity, the resurrection, the crusades, the inquisition, uh, all these things, some of that we'll be looking at here in these next sessions, challenging about all these things. And I painstakingly gave answer after answer after answer after answer. About 3.15 or 3.30 in the afternoon, he finally got very serious with me. He looked me in the eye and he said with a bit of, uh, bit of fervor in his voice, he said, do you want to know the real reason I'm not a Christian? To which I said, yes, after three hours of discussion, I would like to know if there's a real reason. What is it? He said, the real reason I'm not a Christian is no one's going to tell me how to live my life. Not you, not some book, not God himself is going to tell me how I'm going to live my life. Now, I think it was appropriate of me to have painstakingly talked through each of the issues he had and to help tear down the barriers that he brought up and that he lifted up. But the good evangelist and the good apologist will also realize that there's the reason that sounds good and there's the real reason. And the sooner you can get to the real things that stand in the way of people's faith, the more effective you will be. I remember the first time I ever saw this was down at the University of Georgia. 
It was a very, 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 very cold day in Georgia, and I was speaking outdoors on the campus at the University of Georgia. I didn't have many people listening because it was so cold, and one guy, um, one guy was standing out there, and he was uh, looking at me, smiling, and, and so I finally, after a little bit, I was getting cold, and I stopped, and uh, actually, I wouldn't go home. And uh, I asked him, I, I, but I said as I stopped, you know, you look quite interested in what I'm saying. I'm curious, are you a Christian? And I'll not forget his response, because th- this is the honest to goodness truth. He thrust out his chest, put his head up in the air, chin in the air, and he said, I used to be a Christian, and then I became educated. Well, if you know me, I'm not, you know, I kind of like a good fight. And um, I said, Really? Really? Now, it was too cold to hear all his excuses. I wanted to get to the real reason. And I had a hunch what it might be. And I don't mean to offend anyone in this room or who's listening here, but let me tell you how the conversation went. I knew there was a real reason beyond anything because people who forsake Christ and reject the truth do it for reasons other than intellect, almost always. And so I I said to him... um, I said, do you mind if I ask you a few questions about, uh, about your rejection of Christianity and your education? He says, go ahead, ask me anything you want. I've got nothing to hide. I said, well, I'd like to start by asking, you know, how long has it been since you've been too smart to be a Christian? He thought, scratched his head for a bit, and he said, oh, I, 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 suppose, it's been, um, I suppose it's been two years. I said, now may I ask you another question? Remember, we're just talking personally now, and he's a total stranger, but I asked him, uh, may I ask you another far more personal question? To which he said, you can ask me anything you want. I've got nothing to hide. I thought, okay, I'll ask. Remember, it's cold and I want to get inside. So I just asked him straight out. I said, are you sexually immoral? To which he hesitated. And finally, he stammered and he said, "Um, you would say that I am. I said, okay, and how long have you been sexually immoral? He said, well, I don't know. I suppose it's been about two years. Wait a minute. That has nothing to do with why I'm not a Christian. You see, I'm not a Christian. You know the Bible. You know it's just written by men. And you know it's been changed so many times over the year. I mean, it's been changed a million times. And besides evolution, disproved. what do you think about other people? Other... And I said, wait a minute, let me explain something to you that you need to understand. I'm going to tell you why you're not a Christian. You grew up believing, believing this. And a couple years ago, you began to live like this. All right? You have one of two options in life. You will either change the way you live to agree with what you believe or before long you will change what you believe to justify the way you want to live. When I talk about the real reason and the one that sounds good, this young fellow at Georgia and I've run into into thousands of them in my life, none quite so vivid, but thousands of them, of people who have excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. I believe as Christians we owe it to them to give the best answers we can. But we should not be naive to think 
that there's not something deeper that is motivating those excuses. Something deeper. And that is an, an unwillingness to bring what they that bring their life in subjection under the truth. You know what God says in, in Matthew chapter 11? Jesus prays to the Father. And He says, I thank You, Father, that You, you have hidden the truth from the know-it-alls, from those who think they know it all. And You have revealed Your truth to the humble and the childlike. We read from Paul in Corinthians that the Bible is a spiritual book. And it takes a spiritual mind to understand it. It's not merely an intellectual book. I was on a campus just yesterday. And I was talking to a, a freshman at Iowa State University. And he told me that he had just taken a course last semester about the Bible. And he said, boy, it was a tough course. I mean, I, I came out of there not knowing what to believe. I asked who taught it. He told me the professor's name, who I happened to know. And I asked him, did you know that professor is an atheist? Do you know that professor used to be a preacher? And now he is an atheist. He has abandoned the faith. And do you honestly think that he does not want you to abandon the faith as well? And this guy said, I didn't know. He had confused. He was confused. Be careful about who teaches you the Bible. It is a spiritual book. It is a book that God reveals truth to. And we'll see this, by the way, in our session tomorrow, or about session four, how God reveals truth to us. But understand, as you evangelize and as you talk to people, understand as a wise apologist, you will learn to discover the real reason versus the one that sounds good. What are some real reasons? Sometimes, like the fellow in Georgia, it's I don't want to. It's, he's fallen into a sin that's contrary to the Bible. Sometimes it's like the guy at North Carolina State. No one's going to tell me how to live my life. Not you, not anybody. I once had a fellow arguing with me at the University of Maryland. And all afternoon he argued with me about the Bible. Finally I asked him, real simply, I said, can I, can I ask? You know, we've gone back and forth throughout the day. Is there any reason you hope the Bible's not true? And he said, yes. And I said, what is that? He said, I'm never going to follow the Bible. I said, why not? And in a very honest moment, he said, Tom, my mom died of cancer. And she'd gone to church all her life. And when she was in the hospital, not one person from that church came to visit her. I will never believe in Christianity. Now, I could talk to him all day long about evidence he had a heart problem. He had a bitterness. He had a resentment towards God and towards Christians. I remember a young lady who argued with me. And, and I finally, she, I mean, she was just vehemently debating Christianity with me. And, and I finally asked her privately. I said, I said, down deep, would you like to know, her name was Maria, down deep, would you like to know that God forgives you? And for the first time all afternoon, she, just her mouth stopped. She was quiet. She looked down and she said, Tom, God will never forgive me. Maria, how can you say that? God, forg God is a forgiving God. How can you say it? Tom, you don't understand. I said, what? What don't I understand? She said, Tom, I'm Catholic and I got pregnant and I had an abortion. God will never forgive me. I'm doomed. A wise 
evangelist, a wise apologist, will learn to draw people out and discover the issues, that, the pain, the hurts, the bitterness, the, the pride, the, 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 the block that stands in the way of a person coming to Christ. And can I tell you, after 20-some years on college campuses, I find it is, and, and spending countless hours helping people on the intellectual questions relating to defending Christianity, I find rarely is that the real issue. Rarely. Now, I say again, we should answer them. We should show them the respect. We should patiently give them a reason for our hope. We should give a defense, give an apology for our faith. An apologetic, shall I say, for our faith. But learn to probe. Learn to see the real reason. Learn to find out why people really aren't coming to Christ. We'll move on and, and go into some other sessions here where we'll talk about many of these areas, starting with how we even know there's a God, and we'll do that in our next session.